Hi. Hi. <laughs> you are listening to Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Bree. I'm Wayne. Oh, jeez. We're going to talk about some... Testing. Testing one, two. Not funny. It's not going to be funny because they didn't hear the last five minutes of us setting up to record. Twice on the microphone, he just leads in. He's like, testing, testing, one, two. And I told him to keep it, and he wouldn't keep it. I deleted it. Twice. Twice. So good job at the joke that only I get. It was a good joke. It was a good joke. I give you that. Thank you. Um. So, I... Russia. Yeah. Random. Russia. I love hearing Russian crime stories because a lot of them are fucking nuts. Russia. Ginger ale in Russia. What? It's Canada dry. Ginger ale and Russia. Because that's your drink of choice. You're not going to drink some wine with me? I don't want wine. We have whiskey. We don't have whiskey. Oh. Yeah. I guess we don't. It was in the freezer. You didn't grab it? (sighs) Forgot the mustard. Forgot the mac and cheese. That is a cardinal sin. I'm so sorry. I forgot things that you could have picked up. Yeah. So sorry. (laughs) Why'd you do that? I... I must have thought that you were going to pick it up. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, I didn't. You don't give me that much credit. I forget everything. Everything. I set my phone down, and five seconds later, I'm like, where's my phone? And then she calls it 20 times, and it's sitting right next to her. She's like, I can feel it vibrating. <laughs> yeah, it's right by your hand. I try. It's not my fault. Do you? I'm a trash can. I do try. You're not a trash can. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Our children are going to lose everything, though. That is for sure going to happen. Maybe. Because I used to be a mess. Maybe not. I thought you had photographic memory. How did you lose everything when you were a kid? Because I didn't keep track of anything. Now I keep track of everything. I I don't like losing anything. I feel like I didn't have as much of a problem with it as a child as I do now as an adult. I always lost my favorite fucking toys. I had nothing to keep track of. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a fucking wallet. The most I had was, like, cash in my pocket. I never lost my cell phone. Constantly lost my wallet. I didn't get a cell phone until I was like almost out of high school. You so. used to lose shoes. I've oh. done that. Yeah. Everything that I've lost, I've been super attached to. So at a certain <laughs> point, I was like, ah, I'm going keep, keep, I'm gonna keep, I'm so keeping you better track of my ass. thing. You said, ah, also keeping. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to talk about Russia and Russian crimes, and specifically Russian crimes in the U.S., possibly. No? How was our week? Our week was our week. It was fine. I broke my snowboarding binding. Yes. I had a shit ton of chores to do. Yes. I got everything accomplished but one task. Yes. Um, and we're back in West Point for another work week. So, it's the same. If we want to talk about our week, we could just say, listen to last week's podcast, because it's the same shit. I got fire toys in the mail. That You did, but you didn't play with them. No, it's so fucking cold outside right now. 
I try and I go outside and I don't even want to smoke a cigarette because it's so cold. It hurts. My bones. My All bones right. hurt. Alright, did you want to go first then? You have a little bit of background this case? Or this episode? I have a little bit. It's kind of involved in my case too though, but yeah. I was going to do background and then it ended up with like eight pages worth of notes and I was like, oh well, I do not have enough time to say probably even this. Oh. Well, my notes were really all around one dude. And his name is Boris. Don't know how to say his last name. How do you say his last name? Nayfield? Nayfeld? There's no I in there. Nayfeld? Yeah. Nayfeld. He's a Russian mobster. And he's New York City. What was City? that accent? I don't know. Mobster. <laughs> mobster. A lobster mobster. Anyway, he was New York City's, like, most notorious, or one of the most notorious. Why is New York City all in caps? New York City! That's how you gotta say, the Big Apple. I know if you've never been there, you're not experienced, but... Not hip to it. Hip. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways. He was specifically, like, well-known to uh, Brooklyn Brit Brooklyn's... Britain Beach Neighborhoods, and this pl this neighborhood was like a haven for immigrants immigrants from the former Soviet Union since the 70s. So uh, Boris first came to the U.S. from uh, Belarus, 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 <laughs> in the late 70s, with a wave of Jewish uh, immigrants coming from the Soviet Union who said that they were fleeing for religious uh, persecution. So Boris immediately got into crime when he arrived in the U.S. of A. Of course. Sounds right. Uh, his latest prison term actually ended in October of 2018. He went down for two years for, being, uh, for his role in a murder-for-hire plot that turned like execution or uh, extortion attempt. It turned into an extortion? Yeah, attempt? so it was supposed to be a murder for hire, and then he decided that he was going to extort this guy because he was ah. going through a fucking divorce, and he was like a really well-known, uh, or he was really big uh, businessman. Can't remember what the business was anymore. But he, you know, it was a murder for hire, and he was like, fuck that, I'm going to extort this motherfucker. So this is Perfect recent. Time. That's badass. Yeah, it was two years ago. And this dude's 70 now. Damn. Old man. Old man. He ain't sca as scared anymore. He doesn't do crazy shit anymore, like kill people or anything like that. No, he makes other people do it. Yeah, well, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think why would he stop? Need over it. I mean, if I let was me seventy, keep, let me keep talking I'd be about over it. Too. Let me talk about it. So uh, the Brooklyn Boris returned to, and I'm not talking about like, you know, this is his most recent prison attempt or <laughs> prison <laughs> term was or ended. In October 2018, but this dude was in and out of prison. I think he went to prison like three or four times in his life. Um, but when he returned from his longest stint, he remembers returning back to, uh, you know, the Britain Beach neighborhood. And it used to be, you know, rough and tough. And it was the streets that he caused havoc on for a really long time, especially like violent crimes against or amongst Russian immigrants. And this was all happening in like the 90s and stuff like that, like 
pretty much the 80s through the 90s is the time that he's talking about. But he, when he returned, it didn't resemble that at all. So it was kind of like early 90s hit, and then boom, everything kind of just stopped. All of a sudden, there was just... Like the mob? Not necessarily the mob, because the mob's still, you know, obviously involved. But instead of all that crazy, fucking violent, just shooting people in the fucking street shit, they just stopped that. It's too much CCTV for that shit. Yeah, that, and I mean, there was just... They were literally Russian crooks, literally, literally <laughs> littering the streets with bo- bodies. Like they were literally just lining the bodies up in the streets. You just said literally, so, literally, so many times. Russian criminals today literally run a range of literally a lot of enterprises throughout New York. Oh, wow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, these include uh, like credit card fraudery. <laughs> credit card <laughs> fraud. <laughs> Credit card fraud <laughs> rings. That was amazing. Oh, God, like good traditional uh, protection racks, rackets, uh, gambling, prostitution. Like racketeering? Yeah. No, that's different. Rackets. Isn't it? Yeah, racketeering. Rackets. Okay. I'm, right, I'm pretty sure. Rackets, that's what I'm thinking of. And uh, also money making, like uh, Medicare or Medic Aid. I'm so sorry. You might, you might, you might hear a scream because I have to live our. I cannot talk. I don't know why I can't talk either. I have to lift our pig up. So why? Because she's right here. Oh, my God. Oh, no. We're good. Cuddle her back in. And that is our pig. <laughs> okay. She is like a small little human. Go ahead. Anyways, I was talking about Russians and... Racketeering. Racketeering and shit. So, in the early 90s... Violent crimes among Russian immigrants actually hit a historic high in New York City. Damn. Yeah. Crazy shit. A little backstory of, like, the Russian mob, I guess you would say. Uh, Organized crime in Russia began in, like, I guess you'd say, like, in the imperial period, if that's correct. The fuck does that mean? Because they rule by, like, a king and queen and shit. Imperial, right? But how long ago were we talking? Oh, we're talking back like Stalin. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. like back, back in the day. So, uh, it wasn't up until like the Soviet era that uh, this group, which I can, I'm not even going to attempt the name, Voy the Sakon, Sakon. Anyways, it translates to uh, thieves-in-law, like brother, uh, brothers-in-law, family-in-law, but thieves-in-law. Okay. Uh, they emerged as leaders in a prison gang, which was in forced labor camps. So back in like World War II type shit. Uh, they lived by like an honor code that became more defined with the fall of the Soviet Union. Because, you know, fall of the Soviet Union, the government kind of fell. So everybody's kind of going for their own ways. Uh, but after the Soviet Union fell... More gangs emerged because the black market was flourishing. It was big and huge because they were exploiting the unstable governments of the formal Soviet Union. Formal? Or former. Oh, okay. Sorry, not formal. My bad. And it was it's kind of crazy because at its highest point, organized crime, Russian organized crime, it controlled more than two-thirds of the Russian economy. 
That's fucking insane. That is crazy. So a former director of the FBI, Louis Free, he actually said that the Russian mafia posed the greatest threat to U.S. national security in the mid-90s. Yeah. I thought that was insane. More than anybody else. And that all came due just because prison gangs. So uh, in modern times, there's actually like 6,000 different groups and more than 200 of them have global reach. Damn. Yeah. And these uh, criminals, ver- like, their groups vary. And uh, they're either, like, former prison members, corrupt officials, business leaders, people with ethic- ethnic ties, or people, like, in the same region that share the same, like, criminal experiences and leaders and shit like that. So... Going back again, after Hitler's invasion of the Soviet Union, World War II, Stalin was uh, recruiting men f- to like fight for the nation, but he was recruiting prisoners and giving them freedom to join the army. So many of these people like flocked to you know get the fuck out of prison, and they're fucking in Russian prison. Of course, I would flock to do fuck that too. That. Fuck that shit. But because that they were prisoners. They're most likely part of the you know organized crime, the thieves in law. So what was happening was, was you know, the thieves in law. They were against all government. These guys were like the neo Nazis. They were against all government, like state, free state of Jefferson type people. Were they a racial? Not really. Group? I guess kind of. But uh, anyways, they were like when you left, you pretty much became a traitor, and they would call you a suko, which meant bitch and you know traitors land at the bottom of the hierarchy outcasts also bottom of the hierarchy and there's there's a lot of like bitterness between the groups and this erupted into a series of bitch wars from 1945 to 1953 with many 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 people killed every single fucking day oh that's not funny no the prison officials uh like, encourage the violence, seeing as it was a way to rid prisoners of criminals. Or prisons of criminals, sorry. So they Damn. let them kill them. They're like, fuck it. Let them kill themselves. Like, let them kill everybody. They Damn. just sat back. They didn't give a fuck. Wow. Very crazy. So, this was, like, right after Stalin died. Or his death of Stalin. Eight million inmates were released. Why? Those that served the imprisonment and bitch wars became (laughs) a new breed of criminal. They were just released because, I don't know, war crimes and shit like that. I'm kidding. How is that an explanation? I don't know. I have no idea why. You don't know why. They just did. They just released him after I'm Stalin sure died. I'm sure that answer was out there somewhere. I'm sure it was. Why don't you hop on Google and figure it out? This isn't my fucking case. Okay. Well, let me finish my case instead of you rudely interrupting me. Hmm. Jesus. Uh, so these new criminals, Jesus. they no longer, you know, had any bounds or tie to the laws or the thieves in law. What? The new criminals, they left prison and they said fuck the thieves in law we're gonna go do our own thing okay so it's not all thieves in law anymore okay and they adopted a every man for himself attitude type deal and that came with a lot of like corruption and shit like that with 
the new government coming up. So they have a lot of crazy backstory, I guess you would say, right? I would say so. That was, that's pretty nuts. Yes. So back to my dude, uh, Boris. This is a story that involves him. I cannot pronounce his name. Paulu, Paulu. Where? Fucking Paul's name right here. Oh. I don't even know how to pronounce that. It is definitely. I was working on it. I even went on Google and tried to Google it, and it would not give me a translation. Paul Mirzoian? I'm assuming. I mean, I probably slaughtered it, it, but. Anyways, this mobster, this dude was the prime target among other mobsters, including rival Boris Goldberg and his organization. So, it's May 1985. Uh, This uh, Argon was assassinated. He was the leader of one of the bigger uh, Russian mobs. And Boris was his bodyguard. And he actually had just moved onto a new employer. And this was under uh, Marat Balogu. Balogu. (laughs) Balogu. 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 Balagula? Balagula? I don't know. Sorry. That's how I would say it. Balagula. Who uh, who was believed to have uh, pretty much taken over Argon's like, authority. So, obviously, Boris knew what was happening. Boris went with this new guy. They killed off Argon. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So he took over, had his own gang, took over his other gang, so now they're a bigger gang. Okay. Anyways, oh god, this is getting tired. So, in the years following that, he at Belugalogalua, sorry, dude. Mr. B. Mr. B fled the country after he was convicted of a fraud scam which involved Merrill Lynch customers. Oh, shit. He was uh, in, actually, he was captured in Frankfurt, West Germany in 1989. Where he was extradited back to the U.S. to be sentenced for his eight-year prison sentence. What was sentence. he doing? Huh? What was he doing? I don't know. Oh, come on. What was he doing That's in like a Germany? That's or banking company. Yeah. No, what was he doing with that company? He was... It was fucking credit card fraud. Oh, that's boring. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't anything crazy. Anyways, uh, Mr. B was later convicted on a separate $360,000 credit card fraud in 92. Boris actually took place for Mr. B and partnered with uh, this other Polish Polish guy. Yeah. I'm not even attempted. Where? Ricardo, that's an easy one. Well, look at that Jesus. one. I don't know how to say that last Ricardo. name. Fanchin... Wow, Fanchinin? Uh, my, my, I'm going to struggle German. with my names too, trust me. It's German, so sorry again. Uh, in an import-export business, that was pretty much... It, it was a heroin business. They were shipping fucking heroin from like... or Yeah, they were shipping heroin from Thailand to uh, Poland in TVs. Oh, yeah. So that's how he got caught. And he got caught up in that because he was his bodyguard and, you know, he took the fall for him. So. I'm 
not that good of friends with anybody. Yeah. So, anyways, he did six years in, uh, like, a six-year prison sentence in Israel and returned to America and set up a rival heroin business. And that's when, like, all the mafia turf wars started off. Uh, Okay, that makes sense. I can see why tensions were a little high. Exactly. So, that's my story and background of Russian Mafia in New York City! You Sorry. just hurt those poor people. Look at, look, look at the audio. I can see the audio. It's all blue. It's all, the whole screen's blue. And mic drop. What are we going to call this episode? Suka. <laughs> How about damn Russia, you scary, because my story is very scary. Russia go hard. Okay, I like that better. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hit me that schnapple. I was going to... Beautiful peach. <laughs> I was going to do my headlines that I pulled, like my favorite crazy Russian headlines I found at the end of my story, but I don't think I'm going to be able to laugh at anything after I'm done with my story. So. Why do you pick the darkest things ever? I like it. I don't know what else to say. Oh, no. I had technical difficulties. She doesn't know what she's doing. No, I had a few of them that I printed, and our printer literally took 45 minutes to print five pieces of paper. And so I just said, fuck it, and, like, emailed half of them to me, the ones that didn't actually. Anyways, doesn't matter. Okay. So the first one I have for you says, Russian man rams shop front in armored vehicle, steals wine. The extended New Year's holidays are some of the most alcohol-fueled times of the year in Russia. So who could blame this carjacker for commandeering an armored vehicle, ramming it into a shop front, and making off with a stolen bottle of wine? Look at this picture. It's a fucking tank. It's a tank! And he stole one bottle of wine. How did he even drive the tank? I don't know. I'm. He knows how to drive a tank. Well, at least enough to... Pull right into a window and not do any more damage besides the window. Impressive. Next one. Kuzbase? Kuzbase? Man fails to steal tractor, drives around inside garage. Appeared in Kemerovo newspaper. Um, This headline did in a detailed police officer's detention of an intoxicated local man who tried to hijack a K-700 tractor in a village in Siberia. Unable to find a way out, the man drove it around inside the garage until he was apprehended. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. Just continues to drive around instead of run away and not get caught. (coughs) Russian cops put out fire with snowballs. Smart cop. (laughs) Good job, first lieutenant. I mean, they don't have, like, a water hose, so, yeah. That one didn't say anything super descriptive in the actual article. It was, they got there, saw fire was happening, throwing fucking snowballs at it, firemen roll up, fire's out, all is saved. And this one's just a headline, but I love it. Russian deputy's wife shoots twerking video on highway, sparking mass traffic delays. Nice. And I read this article, and it was like, she did, like, she had, like, a car pile up and then had to apologize publicly to the politician, like, politicians and the mayor of the city. Yeah, it was really, really bad. But, fun. 
Russian priest investigated after flaunting Gucci lifestyle on Instagram. An Orthodox priest raised the Holy Father's ire when he decided to become an Instagram influencer. After being found out by church officials, the priest took down his Instagram, but not before users screenshot his posts of himself wearing a Louis Vuitton signature handbag and Gucci shoes. The priest later said he was fighting for freedom. Fight on, you divine fashionista, is what the article says, but look at him. Look at him. And you can't really see that, but it's like his shoes and he's posing with like his designer purse. Cute. I thought he was so scary, but so funny. Yeah. He's just trying to live his best life. He really is. Okay, so. On to my 27 pages of notes. Yes, I did Andre Chikatilo. (laughs) Do you have any idea who that is? Chikatilo? Yeah. I don't know who Chikatilo is. You're going to be very upset. Chikatilo. Tell me about Chiga. Doesn't it sound like a rapper? It does. Yeah. Chiga, 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 what? <laughs> Chilo. So, this guy's crazy. How crazy? Bonkers. How crazy is bonkers? Insane. Sound like a 20-year-old but... woman. <laughs> but... It was bonkers. He is. Before I get into his crimes, I'm going to get into his background a little bit. He was born October 16th, 1936 in the USSR. So this is like Russia adjacent because he was born in the Ukraine, which is right next to Russia. So it works. During Chikatilo's young life, Ukraine was in the throes of a serious famine caused by douchebag Joseph Stalin's enforcement of collectivization of agriculture. I'm sure I learned this. The Iron Curtain. I'm sure I learned about this in history class, but I didn't remember what collectivization is. And it's basically them forcing people. It's a communistic agriculture system. But these people weren't getting paid. Or having any goods. He grew up in a one-room hut. That's what they had. His parents both worked as collective farm laborers, but didn't see a dime for their hard work, and at many times could not even put food on the table for themselves or their family. Chikatilo remembers during this time him and his family eating grass and leaves just to stave off the hunger, which made me really sad. Chikatilo claimed to have never even eaten bread until age of the age of 12. Sounds about right. Damn. Another of Chikatilo's claims was that his mother told him that prior to his birth, his older brother Stephen was stolen by neighboring, like, uh, neighboring neighbors, by neighbors, and cannibalized during the famine out of starvation. This claim was never substantiated, you know, so we don't know for sure, but... Substantiated? Substantiated. But that's what he said. The country at this time was also gripped by war, so Chikatilo noticed a lot of... Fucking bombings and fires and shootings and sad shit. It was World War II. Not fun for anybody. Fast forward to puberty. Chikatilo realizes he suffers from impotence. Right? That's how you say that? Impotence. Wow. I drank that whole glass of wine. Usually I'm the first one to talk. He couldn't get it up. And that only fueled his self-hatred that was already kind of existing within him. So he did have a hard upbringing because of what was going on in the world, but it seems as though he came from a loving family. He recalled to investigators wrestling one of his sister's friends to the ground, which caused him to, uh, where are you going? 
This motherfucker just walks away. All of a sudden. Alright, I'm going to continue on without him. So, he wrestled his sister's friend to the ground, which caused him to ejaculate. So, like, shit is already getting pretty weird. And he's, like, 14 at this point. He's still young. So, he can't get it up in a normal setting. But if he wrestles people to the ground against their will, like, that makes him hard. Not good. Not good. After graduating high school, Chikatilo enrolled in a vocational school with the aim of becoming a communications technician. And he did have a serious relationship at this time, but he was still struggling from impotence. Impotence? Okay, god damn it. Which continued to fuel his, you know, rage that he had going on. And Chikatilo did, however, finish his two-year training program, the vocational training, and he joined the army. He finished out his service and moved back in with his parents, so, woo. He met another woman who, again, he could not get it up for, and the girl actually asked her friends for advice on the situation, which naturally caused all of his friends to eventually find out about his little problem, which I'm sure that made him very angry and embarrassed and upset as well. And he did actually find somebody to marry him in 1963. It was an arranged marriage. Um, despite his impotence, they ended up having a daughter and a son together. Interesting. He would, this guy's so nasty and there's so many details about him. I was going to put this in the notes, but I'm going to say now. He would like, the wife was cool with him basically making himself come and then just like pushing the semen into her. Wow. So she could have babies. Like he couldn't have sex with her. Yeah. Yeah. He then became a teacher of Russian language and literature and began sexually assaulting his female pupils. He groped and sexually assaulted two students without being reprimanded. Complaints were also coming in for him fondling himself in front of students. And finally, he was asked to resign or be fired, and he quietly and discreetly left his position. He did find another teaching position, however, where he was fired again for molesting pupils of both sexes. So, like, it's a progressive thing. Things are happening, and they're not happening in a good direction. He then decided he would try his hand as a supply clerk for construction materials, which required him to travel extensively. He committed his first murder in September of 1978. Nine-year-old Yelena Zakonova, man, Russian's hard, was lured into Chikatilo's house where he attempted to rape her. Of course, his penis refused to cooperate during the whole situation, and he flew into a rage about it and started choking and stabbing the little Yelena in the abdomen. He ejaculated as he did this. I'm so uncomfortable saying ejaculate so many fucking times, but trust me, you will hear that word so much by the end of this case. So, get ready for it. God damn it. Ejaculate. There's an extra one. Why? Her, (laughs) Her body was found... In a river two days later, despite a lot of evidence linking Chikatilo to the crime, another rapist and murderer was convicted of this murder. This man was actually executed by firing squad in July 1983, and he was not even caught by this point. Following Yelena's murder, Chikatilo basically had a fucking crazy switch flipped in his brain. The only way he was able to achieve orgasm after this point was while he was stabbing someone. He stated that the urge to relive these moments over and over again overwhelmed him to make him, like, do it over and over and over again. 
His second murder occurred September 1981. He lured 17-year-old Lara Tichkatsenko into the woods with the promise of vodka. This murder was very similar to Yelena's with some escalation happening as well. Um, He tried to sexually assault her, couldn't get it up, strangled her, beat her after shoving mud in her mouth to stifle her screams, which just... Whoa, that's extra layer of fucked up. You're already getting raped and killed, and then somebody just picks up nasty mud from the riverbank and just shoves it in your mouth so you're suffocating and can't scream. Yeah, he is a fucking monster. He mutilated her corpse with his teeth and a stick, including biting one of her nipples clean off. He half-assed tried to cover her body, but it was found the following day. In June of 1982, Chikatilo encountered 13-year-old Linnebrov Biryuk. I'm so sorry. Uh, walking down the street. He continued on her path with her until their vision was skewed by onlookers, and then he pounced on her. He stabbed and slashed this young girl to death, and, you know, just because he wanted to have an orgasm. That's literally the only reason. Her body was found with 22 knife wounds to the head, neck, chest, and pelvic area. The poor girl even had stab wounds in her eyes. Jesus. In the eyeballs and the eye sockets. After this murder is when he went full psycho. Like, I don't even give a fuck mode. In 1982, between July and September, he killed another five victims. And I don't mean to, like, breeze through these, but trust me, there's so many. I mean, a whole series needs to be dedicated to this guy. So I touched on the ones that had, like, really big significance in the case, but most Mm -hmm. of them is just going to be me naming them. Yeah, it's bad. So, um, another five victims in 1982 between July and September. He had a pretty solid MO. He liked to approach young children that were vulnerable in one way or another, entice them to a secluded area, and stab, slash, and strangle the victims to death. He also had a thing for leaving his victims disemboweled or would cut the organs out of the body. Another one of his patterns was his victims often had their eyes gouged out entirely. Yeah, that takes some... That means something, though. I'll get to it. Oh, okay. It does. December 11th, 1982, this sick fuck came across 10-year-old Olga Novoshenktisk and lured her away from um, where she was at to a cornfield. Her body was found with over 50 stab wounds. Her chest was ripped open. She was disemboweled and found without a uterus, which later... uh, This guy actually admitted to, like, taking out and chewing on and then discarding later. The uterus? Yeah. By January 1983, investigators were catching on. They didn't know exactly who the perp was, but they were linking all of these crimes together and figuring out it was the same individual. They gathered up a Moscow police team to head the investigation and specifically work on you know, this murder case, or this string of murders. Chikatilo actually had a cool-off period during this time as well, and he did not kill any more victims until June 1983. His next victim was 15-year-old Lara Sarchikyan. I know that's wrong, man. Whose body was discovered in a crime scene similar to the others near a railway platform. Fast forward to September the same year, and five more victims had been killed. 
I mean, like, how does this dude have the time? I, that's what I was thinking. I can't clean the blinds. I haven't been able to sharpen our kitchen knives for, like, a year. How do you kill these many people and not get caught? Yeah, I... I just said these many people. Those many? This many. How many? That many. I think that's too many. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's a lot. It's a lot to do. Too much? I mean... Peoples? It's horrible and gruesome, but, like, I'm kind of impressed. By September 6, 1983, the public prosecutor formally linked six of Chikatilo's victims to the same killer. One theory that police came up with was that the killer could have been a medical professional due to the great precision of the eviscerations on the bodies, so, like, him taking the organs out and shit. Yeah. Uh, it literally looked as though a surgeon had done the job, which is terrifying because this guy definitely was not a surgeon. Yeah. No. Other theories were that the murders were due to organ harvesting to sell for transplant on the back black market, because there were so many happening, or that the murders were the work of a satanic cult, naturally. Satan! <laughs> Police questioned everybody. People who had spent time in psychiatric facilities and registered sex offenders and homosexuals, it said in the article, were their main focus. And to be fair, like... Maybe 15% of Chikatilo's victims were men, so I don't know why people who were homosexual got questioned, but... It's the 80s. Yeah, true. Because of their valiant efforts, though, this is really cool. More than a 1,000 unrelated crimes, including 95 murders, 140 aggravated assaults, and 245 rapes were solved. How fucking cool is that? That's pretty badass. Just from, like, questioning all these people and... Yeah. Yeah. On October 30th, 1983, the body of 19-year-old Vera Shethkun was found bearing all the characteristics of Chikatilo's normal MO, except for the wounds to her eyes. December 27th, 1983, a 14-year-old schoolboy named Sergi Markov... Pretty sure I said that one right. Probably not was lured away from a train that he was waiting on at a train platform. He suffered over 70 knife wounds. So much overkill. He was eviscerated and emasculated, which I can't remember if that's removing the penis or the testicles. I think it's the penis. Uh, I don't remember. Emasculation, I think, is removing the penis. One of the genital organs he removed as well. Between January and February of 1984, Chikatilo killed two more women. March 24th, he killed 10-year-old Dmitry Pachakov and was seen by witnesses with the boy. May 25th, he killed a young mother and her daughter. By the end of July, he had killed three more women and a 13-year-old boy. August 2nd, a 16-year-old girl was killed, and on August 7th, he lured a 17-year-old girl to a river and disemboweled her, intentionally inflicting wounds he knew would not immediately kill her. So he was just fucking torturing her. So she was, like, sitting there with all of her fucking intestines outside. Yeah, really, animal. really, really fucked up and unnecessary. All of this is unnecessary, but still. Hours after this murder, he flew to Uzbekistan? And by the time he returned two weeks later, he had killed a young woman and a 10-year-old girl. Two weeks after that, an 11-year-old boy and a young woman had lost their lives at his hands. 
September 13, 1984, Chikatilo is observed by investigators wandering around, approaching random women, and jacking off in public places like a fucking weirdo. He was held and questioned, and also he had to give a blood sample. His blood type, however, did not match that of the blood type that was found at the crime scene, and he was released. Weird, right? Interesting, yeah. Remember that. Chikatilo did, however, get arrested for minor property theft from his previous employer and served a year in jail. Upon his release in December of 1984, he kept his nose clean and did not kill again until August of 1985, when he killed an 18-year-old woman in Moscow while on a business trip. August 27th, another young woman was murdered. Police were catching up to this guy, though. They had plainclothes female officers loitering around train stations because a lot of the victims were found around train platforms. They expanded with more people added to the investigation and consulted a criminal profiler who was spot fucking on, by the way. I don't have time to go into it, but it was like 65 pages long, and he got every little minute detail about this dude. Damn. Without even knowing who the fuck it was. Well done. Some of them are very good at their jobs. Chikatilo took another cooling off period, this time for a year. He was following the investigation closely and I think was realizing they were getting closer and closer to, you know, closing the case. Yeah. And he still wanted to kill some people. August 1986, another victim, an 18-year-old woman, was found buried in a depression in the earth. It was clear the killer was trying harder to cover up his tracks and his crimes at this point. Because he was just leaving them. Yeah. He was just fucking leaving them. The victim's name was Irina... Pogorielova. I'm so sorry. I'm just going to keep saying that. She was found slit open from her neck all the way to her genitalia. One breast was removed and her eyes were gouged out. So, still escalation happening somehow. You should move that phone because it's going to fuck up our audio. Um, In 1987, Chikatilo took a total of three victims, and in 1988, he he killed three more times. So he is slowing down, like, kinda, but definitely still killing. Between March and August of 1989, he killed an additional four victims. And I'm going to run through these real quick. Bear with me. August 1990, five victims. By the end of October, two more boys had lost their lives. On November 6, 1990, this motherfucker killed and mutilated a 22-year-old woman named Svetlana Korostik near a railway platform. He was witnessed by an undercover officer entering the platform with soil and grass stains on his elbows and a red smear on his face. And they were saying, like, the only reason anybody would enter the woods by the platform in that area was mushroom foragers, but he was dressed like a business person holding a briefcase. So that undercover officer was like, what the fuck? The officer had no reason to arrest him, though, but took down all of his information and submitted a report, because that's all that they could do. Chikatilo had been on previous suspect lists for this case, so they looked into him a little further when his name came across in that report. Which, there was a lot of those reports going out and stuff, so the fact that they paid attention to it was good. Yeah. Um, But still, he had been, his name had been on this case multiple times, and... Well, we're, it's 1990 at this point now. And his blood sample didn't match initially. That was the biggest thing. Yeah. They called his previous employers and placed him in different cities at different times, aligning where and when the murders occurred with his movements. Which, kudos, good job. Oh, emails. They also dug up his old sexual assault 
you know, claims and charges that he had from when he was a teacher. He was... Do we still have more phones around us? Is an iPad going to fuck up the audio? I don't think so. I hope not, because I do not want to record this again. Um, he Just was, quit getting distracted, Spaz. I can't help it. He was put on surveillance after all this, and he was seen trying to coerce, coerce random children and was arrested. He was observed with a bite on his finger that was verified to be from a human and was in possession of a folding knife and two lengths of rope. Super cash. They took his blood again, and it came back again as type A, not type AB, which was found in the semen samples from the crime scene. So what did they do? They tested his motherfucking semen, which I don't know how you forcefully make a guy to give you a semen sample that has, you know, issues with getting an erection, but they got it somehow. Good point, actually. And the semen came back as type AB. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a genetic thing that very few people have where your blood tests a certain way and your other fluids like your snot and your semen and stuff like that test yeah a different but type. he if he left blood at the crime scene that they pulled no he only left semen oh uh, okay so it was just semen but they were taking a blood test because that's just the easiest thing gotcha. you know gotcha okay that makes sense though. yeah i really wonder how they got that sample they did anyways they so it's type <laughs> baby it's the right type Investigators then decided to bring in the psychi- or psychologi- psychologist, I think it was a psychiatrist, who produced the criminal profile on him. Within two hours, Chikatilo was sobbing and confessing. He was linked to 34 murders at this point. He stated he was adept at dodging victims' blood spurts coming from their wounds, and that's part of the reason he went unnoticed, because he wasn't covered in fucking blood after stabbing somebody to death. He would also sit next to the victims as they bled out, referring to this in a quote. The cries, the blood, the agony gave me relaxation and a certain pleasure. Fucking monster. (laughs) Got a lot of emails coming in. Uh, When asked about the the... Let me try that again. When asked about why most of his victims' eyes were gouged out... He stated he had heard an old Russian wives' tale that the image of a person's murderer is left imprinted upon the eyes of the victim forever. Oh, my God. I got chills when I read that. Fuck. Damn. He even confessed to biting nipples and tongues off and actually swallowing them. Three of the 56 victims Chikatilo confessed to himself could not be found, like they couldn't find the bodies, even though Chikatilo, you know, tried to lead them to the bodies. He was charged with 53 murders and five sexual assaults with a minor. This dude argued with the judge during his court trial, yelled and screamed, and pulled his dick out on multiple occasions during the court proceedings. Jesus Christ, this guy. So, as Ron said, he's doing good. (laughs) Doing real good. Doing good. At one point, a victim's relative threw a huge piece of fucking metal that hit Chikatilo square in the chest. The individual was shielded by family members and not arrested, so you go. Chikatilo was convicted of 52 of the 53 murders and all of the sexual assault charges. He was sentenced to death. On February 14, 1994, he was executed in a soundproof room by a gunshot right behind the ear and he is buried in an unmarked grave in a prison cemetery where he fucking belongs. Damn. It's Andre Chikatilo. Well, Chikatilo. You're freak real though. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry again. That's really loud. It was good though. It was a good joke. So good we job. do have an Instagram. We have a Facebook. Booze, bullshit, and true crime. Please like. Please share. Please tell your friends. Tell everybody. Message me. Oh, I said my homegirl's name was Elise on the last episode. Her name is Alice. It's just spelled different. Fuck me. Sorry, Alice. <laughs> oh, damn. That's not what I meant. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not I, even going to edit it out. How about sorry, Alice? Okay. Just going to move on. Booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. Send us an email. Tell me how stupid I am for my words. Uh, I'm normally the dumb one with words. With words? <laughs> I'm the dumb one with words. Wow, it's Me been a long words day. Don't work. Peace, bitches. Later. <laughs>